70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Hola amigos, soy Hugo Longhi de Rosario, Argentina. Hi, my name is Hugo Longhi and I'm from Rosario, Argentina. I started to listen to KBS World Radio in July 1990 and I have so many fond memories. One of the most unforgettable memories is my visit to Korea in 1996 at the invitation of KBS. It was a great opportunity for me to get to know more about the very modern country with thousands of years of tradition still intact. Of all the wonderful experiences, the visit to Panmujeom on the border of South and North Korea was very touching. As I tuned into KBS World Radio, I got to learn a lot about the country in the Far East that had been unfamiliar to me and became interested in everything that is going on over there. I hope KBS World will continue its shortwave radio transmission. I wish everyone good health and happiness and send greetings from Argentina. Thank you. Seventy years with KBS World Radio, seventy years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Hello, it is Thursday, the 9th of February, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang Woo. North Korea conducted a massive military parade on Wednesday night in celebration of the 75th founding anniversary of its armed forces. ICBMs, including one that likely uses a solid fuel propellant, were on display. We'll have more details in our news briefing and we'll also further analyse what was shown for our in-depth, including another appearance by Kim Jong-un's daughter. And coming up for Explore Korea, we discuss a sculptor that combines art and engineering to create mesmeric mechanical creatures. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. As anticipated, North Korea carried out a military parade on Wednesday night to mark the 75th anniversary of the founding of its armed forces. Pyongyang flaunted its nuclear might by parading tactical arsenal and intercontinental ballistic missile units, including one that likely uses a solid fuel propellant. Our KBS World Radio News Editor Koo Hee-jin joins us now in the studio to give us the highlights from the late-night parade, as well as our other headlines of the day. Hijin, hello. Hello, Jango. So we all saw images of Kim Jong-un appearing in the VIP balcony, holding hands with his young daughter, Juhe, and his wife, Ri Seolju, as they smiled and waved at the nuclear arsenal on show. What else do we know about the parade? Well, North Korea's state-run Korean Central News Agency released a report on Thursday, as well as some 150 photos and TV footage from the nighttime parade that took place on the symbolic Kim Il-sung Square the previous day to mark the 75th anniversary of the founding of the Korean People's Army. 
According to the photos released, uh, Pyongyang seemingly showcased a new weapon suspected to be an intercontinental ballistic missile equipped with a solid fuel engine along with its Hwasong-17 ICBMs. The unidentified missile loaded on a transporter erected launcher appeared to be different from the one featured in a parade in April 2017 for the 105th birthday of the late regime founder and Kim Jong-un's grandfather, Kim Il-sung. The KCNA said tactical nuclear units in the procession demonstrated the regime's war deterrence and counter-strike capabilities, and the ICBM units flaunted its maximum nuclear force. Meanwhile, the appearance of Kim's daughter, Juhe, has become a familiar sight in recent months at events accompanying her father, but it was, of course, the first time that she accompanied him to a military parade. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, it was uh, quite the sight that she saw, I imagine. Yes, of course. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, who was accompanied by his wife Ri and their daughter Chue, conducted his inspection wearing a black long coat and fedora, a style reminiscent of his late grandfather. The family cheered the fireworks and drone shows that lit up the night skies. Uh, but he, uh, Kim Jong-un did not apparently address the crowd of more than an estimated 22,000 people. Chue, presumed to be the couple's second child, was seen holding hands with her father as they walked on the red carpet as they arrived for the parade while her mother walked behind them, raising speculation yet again that she is being groomed as Kim Jong-un's heir apparent. This is the fifth time Kim's daughter has attended a public event since last November when she first observed the test launch of a Hwasong-17. South Korea's foreign ministry issued a statement slamming the North for holding the event while in the midst of a worsening food crisis and economic difficulties. Uh, What else do they say? Well, during a press briefing on Thursday, uh, South Korea's foreign ministry spokesperson Im Suso called on Pyongyang to immediately stop illegal nuclear and missile development and reckless nuclear threats and promptly return to the denuclearization negotiations. Weapons experts pointed out the array of weaponry and speculated that tests of solid fuel missiles and that of miniaturized nuclear devices may soon follow. Yes, well, a further analysis of the parade, what was seen and what it says about North Korea's uh, nuclear programme for our in-depth segment today, coming up later on the show. Let's turn now to rescue efforts in quake-ravaged Turkey. The death toll has sadly continued to clock up at an alarming rate and is now approaching 20,000. South Korea sent its biggest ever contingent of rescue workers and thankfully they have already helped rescue three survivors on Thursday in the Hatay province region. This comes hours after finding another survivor uh, earlier near a local high school. Can you give us the details? Well, South Korean disaster relief specialists in Turkey uh, rescued a husband and a wife and their two-year-old daughter in a collapsed five-storey building at around 10 a.m. The daughter and the 40-year-old father were rescued first and they are reportedly conscious and in stable condition. Another one-year-old infant, uh, part of the same family, was also discovered but had unfortunately already passed away. Uh, The team is currently attempting to rescue the remaining members of the family from the building where a couple of more children have been reportedly uh, located. Earlier on Thursday, the team rescued a man in his mid-70s near Antakya uh, uh, High School. 
South Korean President Yoon sung yeol and other government officials are reaching out to convey their condolences and offer uh, more aid for the devastated nation. Well, Yoon visited the Turkish embassy in South Korea on Thursday to offer his condolences for the victims of, a, of the uh, quake uh, earlier this week. Uh, according to the presidential office, President Yun told Turkish ambassador to Seoul Murad Tamer that South Korea will do its best to help Turkish people rise above its grief and sorrow. Yun also asked the ambassador to convey his words of encouragement to Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, Foreign Minister Park Jin also held a phone discussion with his Turkish counterpart late Wednesday and pledged to su- provide all possible support for Turkey's um, recovery efforts. Let's turn to some other headlines now. The Constitutional Court has begun deliberating on a parliamentary resolution to impeach the Interior Minister Yi Sang-min over the Itaewon crowd crush. Can you give us the latest? Well, in a meeting on Thursday, the top court is likely to decide how it will proceed with the impeachment motion and which justice will preside over deliberations, a detail not usually revealed to the public outside of an impeachment case. Under the Constitution Court Act, the top court must reach a final decision within 180 days of receiving a motion, but the court is expected to expedite deliberations in order to avoid a prolonged vacuum in a ministerial post. Previously, the Constitutional Court had ruled on impeachment motions for former President Nguyen in 64 days and former President Park Geun-hye in 92 days. And finally, the government will likely continue raising electricity and gas rates amid mounting global energy prices. Uh, This comes after much of the Korean public were shocked at the jump in heating bills in January. Can you tell us more? Indeed. In a meeting of the National Assembly's Trade and Energy Committee on Thursday, Energy Minister Yi Chang-yang stressed that the government will continue to phase in increments to normalise rates in accordance with market principles. He explained that recent hikes in gas rates had been inevitable with the global natural gas prices skyrocketing due to Russia's war in Ukraine, among other factors. However, he emphasised that the government will adopt measures to better help alleviate the crippling burden of gas bills for the socially vulnerable, while noting that a thorough review of similar support for the middle class is vital, considering the government's fiscal budget. The remarks come amid public outcry over a recent spike in heating bills, with the government data showing that monthly gas rates surged more than 30% last month on year. We'll wrap it up there for our news briefing. Thank you for those updates. Thank you. North Korea staged a nighttime military parade on Wednesday to mark the 75th anniversary of the foundation of the Korean People's Army. On display were an array of weapons, including ICBMs, and tactical nuclear units were seen as well. While leader Kim Jong-un presided over the parade, he did not deliver a speech, but he was accompanied by his daughter, Jue, once again, fueling succession rumours. For further analysis on what was seen, we have joining us on the line now retired Lieutenant General Chan Imbam from the South Korean Army. General Chan, thank you for your time today. Thank you again for the invitation. 
So as anticipated, North Korea held its military parade on Wednesday night. And uh, North Korean state media reported that the regime had shown off its quote-unquote maximum nuclear attack capability. So, General, what was your key takeaways from the parade? What stood out to you? Well, the uh, large numbers of missiles that were displayed, uh, I think, displayed the capability of North Korea of now being able to produce large numbers of the Hwasong-17. I think the the unofficial count was 10 missiles that were displayed. And then uh, the uh, the TELS, the transporter elector launchers, uh, there are experts who are saying that uh, it was manufactured by North Korea. The significance of this is that by having this capability of making their own mobile uh, transporters gives the North Korean missiles more survivability. And then there was a new missile uh, with a camouflage painting that it seems was uh, has a solid fuel uh, engine. Mm. This again improves mobility and thus survivability of their nuclear forces. And finally, uh, it might sound a little bit uh, funny, but the soldiers had earmuffs uh, which in the Korean mindset isn't that macho. And Mm. so maybe there's an attitude change in the North Korean military as well. Right. Okay. Uh, Let's focus a bit more on the weapons. Uh, Let's start with the solid fuel uh, propellant uh, missile, the suspected solid fuel. Uh, How certain are we of that, uh, that it is a solid fuel propellant uh, missile? And if we are certain, how advanced is it, do we know? So it tells us that North Korea is doing exactly what they said that they were going to do. They were saying that they were going to improve their capabilities, and this is uh, proof of uh, the progress that they're making. Hmm. It's very uncomfortable that they are uh, able to do this, and uh, it's, it's a significant increase in the capabilities of North Korea. And so on a broader scale, it tells us that the North Koreans are on track and on plan with their goals of modernizing and uh, creating a rocket nuclear force that will uh, outlast all their requirements. Sure. So uh, it's following their plan, but is there perhaps a surprise uh, from uh outside of North Korea, how fast they've been able to progress uh, on their plan? I think uh, as planners, uh, we should not be surprised. Uh, If we are surprised, that's bad news for us because we're taking the North Koreans for granted. Mm. That's something that's very dangerous to do. You should never underestimate uh, your opponent. Besides, with the new uh, level of cooperation that seems to be... uh, formulating between North Korea and Russia. In fact, technological cooperation might help North Korea's goals to achieve a more potent nuclear force. And can you also expand a bit on the observation you made about uh, the earmuffs as well? Uh, Why do you think that's significant? Well, although uh, it was cold in North Korea, colder than in South Korea, Uh, the North Korean soldiers would be expected to endure hardships 
And so that's just the mindset of the Koreans that earmuffs would have been uh, considered a little bit, you know, weak. But the North Koreans were able to uh, use that, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a change in atmospherics for the North Koreans. Mm. So I think that's uh, that was uh, uh, a difference in the mood of the of the country. I see. Now uh, Kim Jong Un was present, but he did not make a speech. Uh, why do you think he didn't make a speech, and what significance do you think we can read into that? So again, you know, this is tied to the change in the attitude of the North Koreans, in my view. I think all the things that he needed to say was already said and uh, transmitted to the troops and to his military leaders, and the day was cold. So, you know, to shorten the overall uh, event just made sense, and the fact that the North Koreans chose to do that was was uh, surprising to me. So are you saying that perhaps shows his confidence uh, on his grip on power, should we say? Yep. Uh, I think he is more comfortable with where he is, and he is trying to convey that confidence to the world and making sure that everybody understands that he is here to stay. Seen at the parade as well was Kim Jong-un's presumed second child, daughter Chue. Uh, this follows another appearance by Chue at a banquet on Tuesday after they visited the barracks of the army's generals ahead of the anniversary. Uh, photos released by the regime's state media show Kim and military officials applauding Chue. We don't know what the situation is exactly, but uh, that is what's seen in the pictures. Uh, we have seen her a number of times now since last November, and this has led to speculation that Kim is grooming her to be his successor. Is that perhaps how you see it as well, General? Well, I, I really don't agree with that because uh, most dictatorships, uh, and even North Korea, uh, did not uh, display the successor until the last minute. So I do not understand why they would do so right now at such an early stage. Uh, the more probable uh, answer is probably that she is not the successor, and she is something that uh, Kim Jong Un is using to uh, to distract attention or to display that he is a family man. Hmm. But uh, other than that, I was quite uncomfortable to see how this young lady enjoyed uh, being in the parade, being with uh, generals. Uh, she seemed like a perfect next-generation dictator, and that was really scary to me. Mm. You say normally successes are revealed at the end of their time in power. Could it not also be a sign that perhaps Kim may have some health issues before this week, uh, he'd also not been seen in public for over 30 days. And there have long been uh, health rumours about Kim. Yeah, so, you know, the fact that he showed up uh, resolves all of those questions. But to me, those photos and the footage that I was privy to um, did not seem like he was a man who was ha having health problems. So mm. for the time being, although he could lose some weight, I don't think he has uh, any health issues that uh, he needs to be especially worried about. 
I see. Okay. Uh, Kim has been very busy this week, uh, as you said, with events uh, putting a lot of emphasis, though, on North Korea's military and nuclear capabilities. Uh, Before the parade uh, was the visit to the barracks we mentioned earlier, and before that on Monday, he convened a meeting of the ruling Workers' Party Central Military Commission. And he's given belligerent statements as well, saying that uh, they need to perfect the regime's readiness for war and that they've endured much suffering and pain to develop a, quote-unquote, great and absolute power. What do you read into these statements? Does he seem to be raising tensions, becoming belligerent, or is it because uh, this week has been the anniversary of the uh, Korean People's Army? Yes, so I think he has uh, emphasized the fact that he now has and is confident with his nuclear force. Uh, He seems to be very comfortable with that, and he is commending his soldiers and especially uh, demanding from them loyalties and emphasizing tradition. If you see the parade, there was a lot of um, uh, heritage uh, items there, flags, uh, photos of uh, Korean, uh, so-called North Korean Um, war heroes. Mm. And so he is emphasizing the heritage of tradition and absolute loyalty to the Communist Party, but actually he's uh, demanding loyalty for himself. And uh, he has complimented his uh, military as the greatest military on earth. So he's keeping up his soldiers, he's demanding loyalty, and he's showing off his uh, confidence in his nuclear capabilities. Aside from the army anniversary, there's also the anniversary of Kim Jong-il's birth, uh, Kim Jong-un's late father and former leader, of course. That's coming up a week from today. Meanwhile, South Korea and the US conducted their first air drills of the year last week, and they also plan to conduct a combined military tabletop exercise next month under a scenario involving a North Korean nuclear attack. With all this in mind, some observers believe that the regime could use these as reasons to carry out a major provocation as such, uh, such as an uh, ICBM launch or a nuclear test. What are your thoughts on this speculation? I am sure that North Korea will use the combined exercises as an excuse to test their weaponry or to react to our, our defensive exercises. So we should not be surprised. Uh, At the same time, we need to make sure that we are uh, able to maintain the stability of the Korean Peninsula. In other words, we need to be uh, keep our heads cool, uh, not react, not panic, and uh, make sure that the situation does not escalate into something that nobody wants and cannot be controlled. We'll leave it there, uh, General. We've been speaking to the retired Lieutenant General Chan Inbom from the South Korean Army. Thank you once again for your time today. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 2.12 points, or 0.09% on Thursday, to close the day at 2,481.52. The tech-heavy Kosdaq rose, however, gaining 4.60 points, or 0.59%, 
to close at 784.58. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 0.31 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,260.41. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, it's Korea Trending, our segment where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online today. And for that, we have Diane Yu with us in the studio. Diane, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Jango. It's good to see you too. Okay, so what topics do you have for us today? First, we'll talk about South Korea's latest efforts to monitor the Korean peninsula and its surrounding waters from space. Next, we'll go over the latest update on the internal dispute between SM Entertainment and its founder, Lee Suman. And finally, we'll find out which South Korean actor was investigated by the police for habitual use of propofol. All right, let's jump right in. Can you tell us some more about the first story? South Korea plans to develop a microsatellite system by 2030 to enhance the capability to monitor the Korean peninsula and its surrounding waters from space. The Defense Acquisition Program Administration announced that it held a meeting in Daejeon on Thursday for efficient and systematic development of the system. The Agency for Defense Development is in charge of the general research, while related agencies such as the Korea Aerospace Research Institute and the Electronic and Telecommunication Research Institute will also participate in the research process. Right, so microsatellites, they are, as the name suggests, small satellites, Mm -hmm. typically less than 100 kilos in weight. Uh, It sounds like there are quite a few agencies involved, Mm -hmm. and it sounds quite ambitious. Can you tell us uh, more about the project? Well, it is a big project with a price tag of 1.4 trillion won, which is around 1.1 billion US dollars. The microsatellite system will be composed of and operated by a number of synthetic aperture radar SAR satellites and electro-optical EO satellites. The SAR satellites sequentially shoots radar waves from the air to the ground and the sea and then uses the reflected signal to generate a picture. An Electro-optical satellites use visible light, so SAR satellite and EO satellites can complement each other. Okay, so this is a big plan. Mm-hmm. What's uh, DAPA's plan from now? It plans to select two more or more companies uh, within the first half of this year to develop an SAR prototype for a test launch in the second half of 2026. From 2028, it plans to launch several satellites sequentially. An official from the DAPA said that it will be possible to quickly acquire video information about North Korean nuclear threats and crisis situations in the water around the peninsula in the future. They added that, quote, with domestic space companies participating in the development and production of several satellites, the project will lay the foundation for securing core space-related technologies and fostering the space industry, end quote. Okay, well, for now, it sounds like it's still in its very early stages. It'll be interesting to keep track of the project as it progresses. Yes. Let's uh, move on to the next story. What do you have for us? As the conflict between the K-pop powerhouse SM Entertainment and its founder and largest shareholder Lee Soo-man is escalating, it's been reported that Lee returned from the U.S. to South Korea on Wednesday to receive treatment for his fractured arm. 
For those who are not familiar with the conflict, on February 3rd, SM announced its management structure revision for 2023, and this included a surprise statement, basically stating farewell to E. Soon after the announcement, an internal feud broke out, with some supporting the decision while others opposing. And the conflict between SM's current management and its major shareholder E is escalating into a management dispute, as the South Korean tech giant Kakao Corporation will become the second largest shareholder of the K-pop company. Right, so there is a very big internal feud going on then mm-hmm. at the one of the biggest and most prestigious entertainment agencies right. that brought us uh, K-pop acts like Girls' Generation, EXO and BOA. Yeah. And uh, Izuman is seen as the leading figure behind mm-hmm. that success, of which course. is why this story is so shocking at the moment. Okay, so E is back in the country for treatment. Do we know if he will take any sort of legal action against the K-pop company while he's here? He filed an application with the Seoul Eastern District Court for a provisional injunction against SM. The injunction would ban the issuance of new shares and convertible bonds via a third party. Previously, the SM board held an emergency meeting and decided to issue new shares worth about 111.9 billion won and convertible bonds worth 105.2 billion won to Kakao through a third party method. That's about 89 and 83 million US dollars. And through this, the tech giant will secure about 9.05% of the shares, making it SM's second largest shareholder after E having 18.46%. Has SM Entertainment commented on this matter yet? Well, it's divided as well, just like the company's decision to oust Lee. Uh, SM's non-executive director, Ji Chang-hun, who voted against the board's decision, said that, quote, the directors made decisions about the company's future without proper discussion or deliberation. I've never heard of any company ru- running their board like this these days, end quote. The company, meanwhile, is focusing on dispelling concerns, saying that the reorganization of the production system and the new investment are for the company's future. An SM official explained that they want to create synergy effects and raise the global status of K-culture through multilateral business cooperation, cooperation using Kakao's capabilities. The official emphasized that the signing of the contract with the tech company was intended to promote new business opportunities and not about giving priority to the specific interests of individual shareholders. Right, so it still sounds like a very messy situation which will take quite a while to settle down and Mm -hmm. resolve, it seems. I feel we could be talking about it again here soon. Probably. Okay, let's uh, finish today's career trending with our final story, and it's some more shocking news from the entertainment industry. Right. It's been revealed that the South Korean actor Yoo Ah-in has been under investigation by the police for habitual use of propofol, a psychotropic drug. On Wednesday, Yoo's agency, United Arts Agency, released a statement saying Yoo Ah-in was recently investigated by the police regarding propofol. The agency gave an apology for causing concern and added that the actor is actually actively cooperating with the investigation. Propofol is a general anesthetic administered intravenously and is in the form of a white liquid. It's known that its recovery time is relatively quicker than other anesthetics, so it's often used during simple surgery or examination. Yes, there is a medical use for the drug, which is why mm-hmm. it's so readily available in yeah. Korea. But uh, 
There have been many cases of abuse in recent years, particularly among the affluent, mm-hmm. as it is often illegally offered in private clinics. Right. Uh, Diane, I believe the statement was released after the story came out in the press, right? Right. Earlier that day, a South Korean news agency reported that the police were investigating a top male movie star in Korea for habitual use of propofol. The name of the star was not given at the time. After the anonymous report, his agency came forward and admitted that it was you who was being questioned. So how did the police come to investigate you in the first place? Well, the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety, which monitors the distribution of psychotropic drugs, recently suspected that the actor in his 30s was being prescribed with anesthetic medication too often and requested an investigation by the police. And in response, the police investigated the circumstances of use prescription for protocol at various hospitals by summoning him to the station for questioning on Monday. Currently, it's known that Yu has been banned from leaving the country and hair samples have been requested for evaluation by the National Forensic Service to confirm whether propofol was habitually administered. If confirmed, Yu can face imprisonment for up to seven years and six months or a fine of up to 75 million won, about $59,000 under the current Narcotics Control Act. Yes, this has taken the industry completely by surprise as he was such a huge A-list star set to appear in a number of films and even a Netflix series Mm -hmm. as well. It's unclear how those projects will all be affected, but it seems like it's going to be a big headache for a lot of uh, companies indeed. For sure. Okay, we're going to wrap it up there for today's Career Trending. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Diane, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Next up, it's our weekly segment, Explore Korea, where we look to learn more about some of the cultural, historical and travel highlights that the country has to offer. And this week, we have our arts explorer, Andeu, with us. He'll be telling us about another incredible artist and exhibition. Jeo, hello. It's great to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you for having me so much. I think I'm a little bit too excited today <laughs> regarding today's artist and the exhibition. But yes, it's an absolute pleasure to be back. Sure. It's great to have you with us again. So, what do you have in store for us that you're so excited about? Okay, first off, when it comes to broadcasting, I'm always dead honest, right? And I try to be uh, dead honest uh, both inside and outside the studio. The reason why I'm saying all this is because I am not making this up. Mm. When I just said I'm really excited about talking about this artist. And, you know, it's an artist who, well, if you don't know who he is, that's probably because you don't follow contemporary art regardless of your nationality. Mm. And if you do know who he is already, you're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, it's about time (laughs) because his show opened a few months ago, right? And it's running through the end of this month. But we are talking about that one and only Korean sculptor by the name of Choi Woo-ram. Okay, so the sculptor Choi Woo-ram, can you tell us some more about him? Yes, so he was born in 1970 here in Seoul. Uh, he earned both his bachelor's and master's degrees from the sculpture department at Chungang University here in Korea. And uh, regarding his academics, there's an interesting anecdote behind that. And actually, his history of becoming an artist and evolving into the unique and wonderful artist he is today. Mm. But um, Chodam's grandfather was a first-generation Korean automobile engineer, right? 
And um, when he when Chogun was little, he was inspired by his grandfather's life, and he actually wanted to become an engineer himself. But okay. I'm Korean, you're Korean, Chodam's Korean, right? If you want to be an engineer in this country, well, in any country, you have to be really, really good at mathematics. Right, of course, yes. And, you know, learning mathematics at a young age in elementary school, middle school, and high school is one thing. Doing that in Korea? That's a whole <laughs> nother level, right? Sure. And unfortunately, that challenge hit the young uh, artist to be a little too hard. Right. As a matter of fact, so hard that he decided, you know what, let's not do this and do something that's a little bit, you know, away from mathematics. And I sure, think he without found... leaning too much into the Korean stereotype. Exactly, yes. right? Yeah. And so uh, it's interesting that he mentioned that this is actually how, you know, it was one of the reasons how he became uh, an art student. Mm. But I must say, I'm really, really happy that he made that decision because he's so much of a phenomenal artist. And if, if you think about it now, right? I'm assuming that he was just born with this, you know, nature-given talent Mm. of being such a creative person. And when you have a way above average creative mind, I think you really just can't stand dull math pedagogy, Mm. right? So I think that was maybe another reason why all this has happened. But what's really interesting is that nonetheless, his passion for mathematics, engineering, and mechanical technology still stayed within him. And I think that's pretty much why his uh, craft is so much influenced by those non, seemingly non-artistic aspects of life. Yes. So uh, can we explore that a bit more about perhaps his uh, engineering and technological influences in his work? Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. And a key term when it comes to the discourse of the oeuvre of Cheoram is a two-word uh, two term that goes anima machine. In other words, mechanical animals. Mm. And what I mean by that is, well, I think a very good example would be, say, the Sentinels in the Matrix franchise, right? Right. Okay. So those They look like squids. Yes. And as a matter of fact, in uh, the Matrix jargon, they're called squiddies. Yes. They look mechanical squid monsters, basically. But they're not animals at all. Mm. They are monsters slash machines, right? And um, the reason why I said this is because uh, if you have a look at the vast majority of Chodam's work, you'll be reminded of that one image from Mm, the uh, Matrix uh, franchise, right? Uh, I think the difference uh, between uh, the Sentinels and Matrix and um, the work of Chodam is that all these works of Chodam, they are so much nature-inspired. And as a matter of fact, he's paying homage to the actual flora and fauna that inspires him, mm. whereas the sentinel characters, of course, has nothing to do with that. Only destroy, 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 right? Sure. So I think that's a fundamental difference. Um, another thing uh, in real life that I want to uh, mention regarding the work of Cheoram is one company in the U.S. by the name of Boston Dynamics. Right, okay, the robotics company. Exactly. Anybody who regularly watches the news has to know what Boston Dynamics is and these really sophisticated machines slash robots they make. Um, One of their products is called Spot, and it's, of course, that headless yellow dog, Mm. right? Mm. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is, if you take a look at Spot, it's very, very minimalist in terms of morphology. Right. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even have a head. Mm. And, of course, the logic behind that is, why does it need a head when all it needs (laughs) is a chip? 
And um, if you uh, are a little bit more familiar with the various applications of SPOT, you also know that, you know, for example, you can mount a machine gun where the head goes, right? Yes. For warfare. Could be, yes. Or uh, for, uh, regarding, you know, it's a very tragic situation such as what's, uh, what has happened over the past few days in uh, Turkey mm. and, and Syria, right? If you're going to use it as a quote-unquote rescue mechanical dog, right? right? You can put some other kind of rescue-related equipment, mount that at the head sure, area, sure. but still... Form-wise, you don't get the inspiration that, wow, this is so sophisticated. I mean, it's, it's an artistic kind of an experience. You don't get that. Right. Whereas Cho Ram, his interest is not in, for example, sending his artworks to, you know, war zones or <laughs> places which have unfortunately sure. suffered from a disaster like an earthquake, right? It's all about the art. They are extremely detailed. And um, I would say that... Uh, another analogy that I would like to give is uh, the example of a subway system map. You take a look at the subway system map here in Seoul or, you know, a city like the London, L- London, the London Underground map. You take a look at that, you will get no information on, you know, what exactly the wonderful buildings, the architecture of London sure. looks like, mm. right? Um, that's not what that map is for. These maps provide little information on what the actual morphology of these cities look like. They just give you information on where this particular train goes to and and yada, yada, yada. It's very functional. Exactly. That's the word I think, you know, you just uh, nailed it, I believe. It's functional. Whereas when it comes to the machinery of Trearam, it's not about being functional. It's about being inspirational, right? Mm. And, you know, after all, these, these works of Choram, they are really sophisticated representations of imaginary creatures inspired by the sophisticated works of nature. So in that sense, still, while they are machine-esque, he is actually paying homage to anything but machine-esque. Right, I've seen his style described as kinetic sculptures mm-hmm. as well, that they move, and they are somewhat alive, it seems. Uh, take influences from nature, as you said, to build these mechanical, often moving structures. Uh, as you said, they have this life to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he has this exhibition then currently running in Seoul. Can you tell us more about that as well? Yes, it is the Museum of All Museums, right? The venue is the great MMCA, and amongst the many MMCA buildings, it's MMCA Seoul in Samcheongdong. MMCA stands for the Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art. And um, it's kind of it's very similar to, uh, because I gave you the uh, London Underground example, let's go back to London just one more time, um, the Tate Museums, right? Tate right. is not just one museum, but mm. it's a cluster or a family of museums, and MNCA is, uh, is very similar to that. But we're talking about that, the, the, the biggest one, of course, in Samcheongdong. Uh, the show runs through February 26th, and the English title of the show is Little Ark. Yes, Little Ark. The theme of the show is it's a curation of works inspired by, of course, Christianity's Noah's Ark. And uh, if we ponder on the event of Noah's Ark, right, it was God's version of, quote-unquote, resetting humanity to biblical factory settings, if you will, (laughs) right? Why? Punishing humanity for their misbehavior with an epic flood, yet giving it a second chance through Noah's family and all the non-human passengers of that ark. So Mm. the story of Noah's ark is all about deconstruction and reconstruction and human punishment, right? And if we can exercise a not too much religious but a political slash sociological interpretation, uh, I think it also discusses, in, at to some level, 
humanity's self-destruction ability. Like, for example, the climate crisis, right? Mm. Who caused that? It's us. And that's, you know, I think the danger that lies within the human potential, right? And what about all these many wars that we go through of the past and present? World War I, World War II, and now, unfortunately, we have that very... uh, Uh, unpleasant situation between Russia and Ukraine and these kind of situations, right? So, Cheoram's little arc is a nonverbal statement on that very subject matter, how the irony and paradox of human politics and technology is converging towards an imminent, imminent termination of our very own existence, and therefore how to discuss and design that last element in Pandora's box, hope. Okay, so how are these elements shown then? Can you tell us about the works that are on display? What can we see? Okay, I believe we only have time for one work, and we will talk about that key piece of this ex- exhibition. It's actually uh, the work of uh, which is like, whose name is identical to the title of the show, Little Ark. And, you know, uh, Changwa, unlike the name of the work suggests, it's actually a pretty colossal piece. I believe right. you've, you've seen it yourself. It's a colossal piece for a sculpture being 12 meters long. And it has just this breathtaking aura which completely fills up the entire exhibition hall, which for me reminds me of how even the smallest technological invention can have such a huge influence over the entire world. You know, like how James Watt's small steam engine eventually ignited the Industrial Revolution. Mm which completely reshaped the entire world from human civilization to even the climate of our entire planet. Uh, This work is aesthetically incredibly beautiful and sublime. It has 35 oars on each side, and they move as if they are wings of an imaginary gargantuan dragonfly, which has 35 pairs of wings. I would not be too surprised if someone like James Cameron comes across this work and says, (laughs) hey, can we use that for our next Avatar movie? You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. And it also reminds me of a very popular Korean saying that goes, 물이 들어올 때 노를 쳐라, right? And that basically means... You should start rowing when the water comes in. In other words, when you see a chance to make some money, work, 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 and make all the money you can, right? And I get that. Of course, money is important. But whenever I hear this term, I also ask myself, okay, water comes in, you row, that's good. But what about direction? In which direction are we rowing towards? rowing towards, right? And I think that's a very, very important message implied in the phenomenal work of Choda. Yes, the only thing I would say is I saw the show myself, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, by chance. And for anyone who does go see this exhibition, just make sure that you see it when the pieces are moving as well, because they're not moving all the time. Exactly. So just very ask it when the piece will be moving again next time. That's how you're going to see it in its full glory to mm-hmm. fully appreciate this work's and for any listeners who cannot go, we have some uh, pictures on our Instagram, KBS underscore Career 24, taken by Joe himself for people to check out as well. OK, we'll wrap it up there. Joe, thank you as ever for coming in and telling us about another fascinating artist. Thank you and take care. We'll see you again next time. Lovely. Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. 
Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24. We finish up with Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, has joined us now in the studio. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. So I believe we have just one story today. Yes. What have you brought for us? As a coffee lover, I was drawn to Jung Min Kyung's article in the Weekender section of the Korea Herald. It's about how baristas are aiming to make the port city of Busan the next coffee hub. Many baristas who have won global coffee competitions are flocking to Busan with the hopes of it becoming a hub like Melbourne in Australia. Okay, that is interesting how it's Busan rather than Seoul that is Mm. becoming a coffee hub. Uh, Can you tell us who some of these uh, competition-winning baristas are first? Sure. First is Jun Ju-yeon, who is the first Korean to win the World Barista Championships in 2019. She opened up a cafe in the city in 2021. What's interesting is that if you look at the same page in the Weekender section tomorrow, there's also an interview with Jun about her path to success. That also looks like a good read. Then you have Moon Hung Guan, who won last year's World Cup Tasters Championship in Milan. The barista now owns his own cafe in the Somyeon Commercial District. And the list goes on. The article goes into detail about why baristas are flocking to Busan, and there are many reasons. Okay, so why are they heading to Busan instead of other areas like Seoul, as I mentioned? Well, compared to Seoul, there is a lot more space for cafes to open. And what is cool is that there are still many Korean-style buildings from the 1900s still Mm. intact. This means that the businesses can look a bit more unique. Then you have the views. Many cafes that are close to the sea have large glass windows, so visitors are able to relax and look at the great views. So rather than coffee feeling like a quick routine before work, it can feel like a nice experience. Mm. So the city is a good location for baristas to use coffee as a tourist attraction, but there are still many problems that they face. The article goes into more detail about those problems, so you can check it out tomorrow. Yes, uh, I've become a bit of a weird coffee person myself (laughs) in recent years, so uh, I'll definitely be looking out for that story too. Uh, We'll wrap it up there for Morning Edition Preview. Thank you for that, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's all for today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So do join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon Jang-woo, and thank you as always for listening. Goodbye. KBS World Radio.